0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering Construction Brands podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. The tricky thing about digital marketing, especially organic content, is knowing if it's working and how it's working, particularly in our industry where we're not trying to convert and sell widgets from a website. We're trying to influence relationships and influence customers and influence prospective talented employees to want to come work with whatever customer we're working with. And it can take a little while for that to happen sometimes, depending on how big the established brand is. And so I wanted to have someone on this week that came to work for one of our existing customers because of the content they saw coming from the leader. And I asked him to share his story for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's, it's a good example of how it actually works where Patrick, who is our guest this week, wasn't liking Steve's content, wasn't engaging with it, wasn't doing anything with it, but it was impacting him and ultimately caused him to make a move. We also talk about how he's leveraged that with CUI to be able to attract more talent and what he likes about content. And we also discuss how... Using social media content as a way for us to be able to attract more labor. And then we talk a little bit about his leadership philosophy with Inside CUI and developing people. And so this episode hits on multiple areas. If you're wondering, how does this work? If it works, here's a great example. If you're wondering if it works in our industry, another great example of someone who I would classify as a worker, but was still influenced by it. 99% of the people that are consuming your content are workers. You just don't always get the chance to talk to them. And most of the people quit before they get an opportunity to convert them. So if you're interested in labor challenges, if you're interested in how organic content converts, If you're interested in hearing just a talented person talk about how they're moving through the coatings industry, this episode's for you. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did creating it. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, Matt. Do yourself. Excellent. Appreciate you doing this. We had to move this around a lot. And Patrick and I were just commiserating about living in places that don't get very much sunlight. And uh, we've just passed summer solstice. So (laughs) welcome to the conversation, everyone.
1: Patrick, thanks for joining us. (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure and look forward to conversation. I know we've spoken in the past and watched your content with Steve Jr. and Coding's Unlimited. And I really enjoy watching, reading and, and seeing this type of progress move forward in our industry. We're really trying to expand things on all levels, provide opportunities. I think at Coding's Unlimited, we don't offer jobs, we offer careers. And we're really looking to expand that into new areas, new people, and move forward with many years of good careers ahead of us.
0: Absolutely. Said. And Patrick, you're one of our living success stories of what we've done for CUI. One of the things when we first started working with, you mentioned Steve Jr. He's the president and one of the owners of Codings Unlimited, what is it, fourth generation? His big thing is investing in people and finding the right people and I remember when you reached out to him and had a conversation, just how excited he was, and then to see your impact on the organization continue to grow and continue to impact, not only the organization, but him, I see him now relinquishing some stuff that he would do. And he's like, oh, Patrick's going to go take care of that now. It's been a lot of fun to see it. I'm excited to get in this conversation more.
1: Well, thank you. When I started to notice Steve's content, probably just shy of two years ago, started to see some things and I saw an opportunity. Not only in Codings Unlimited, but in a marketplace that has changed dramatic. I've known Steve for many years in my past life. It was a direct competitor. We were fighting over the same projects. And I think we both enjoyed beating each other when we could and knew where and when we were going to, who was going to get the work, depending on geography. And after I had made some changes in my life, decided to come back to this. I saw Steve as someone who was really promoting this idea of change and recognizing that there's a change in the industry. So watching his content in which you were involved with seeing some of those key factors about people and values and working together really brought me towards the Codings Unlimited family. And after, and I'll tell the story I've told before, I was on vacation with my wife, sitting on the beach and I'm reading Steve's content now. There might've been a little bit of rum involved in South Beach. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, Hey, I think I should call Steve. And she looked at me and she said, I think you should. And came home, made a phone call the next day. And about a week later, Steve and I decided let's open up an office in Minnesota and take a run at it. Been great ever since. Just looking at potential growth. The reception in our community has been great. We are a unique contractor. And DC82 up here has been more than welcoming.
0: Yeah. So when you were reading Steve's content, at that time, had you been thinking about making a move and you just hadn't decided where or what yet? Or was there just a continuation of your reading of stuff and it's finally just like, you know what, I think this is where I want to be?
1: That is the really what happened. I had no plans for making a move. I had moved from contracting to the engineering and the owner's rep side. Which was great op- exposure for me a great opportunity to see what the world looked like from the other side of the desk after 25 years or more as a contractor and working with that then seeing steve's content and what you have put together thinking how do we make what i know my experiences and what steve say how do we make that work to be a better service provider and it just happened it wasn't a There was no strategic plan on my part to set up. that I'm going to find someone. It was more
0: of a, like I said, I leaned over to my wife and she said, yeah, I got the green light, so let's go. Yeah. This is one of the things that I talk to customers about, especially with some of the type of content that we produce where we're not trying to drive to an action necessarily. We're trying to influence the things that people think about and communicate the Mm -hmm. things that make us unique, whatever my core, my customer, what makes you unique? What makes us unique? And then you're going to attract like-minded people. And this is a prime example of that. And it's funny because when I first started working with Steve, he was reluctant to do some of the more personal stuff. He's, like, I don't want it to be about me. And that's a typical leader's reluctance. You understand that most leaders aren't leaders because they just want to be a leader. They want to do something and they have to be a leader to achieve it. And Steve is very much that person. And so he was reluctant to put the personal stuff out there. And we kept, Hey, you need to let people get to know you and let them know what you're about. And it'll attract people. And you're one example and he's had multiple customers. So it's awesome. And just encouraging to people in this industry, get out there, put your information out there. You don't know who's looking. You don't know when they're looking. You don't know what they're looking for, but if they know what you're about, then they'll be attracted to you in those moments.
1: I would agree. We're not looking to do a quick turn, whether it's internal or external on a sale. We're not one-off, make a dollar and move on. We're really looking for the relationships. And what Steve was putting out there, what you were putting out there, was based on values and those core values. And as you start to read them and understand that these are the values, this is the company. We're not interested in doing quick hires for employees that are just moving around, looking to have the resume, looking for a quick dollar. We're looking for people who want a home. And that's where I was again, careers. We're going to build yeah. careers and we're going to build longevity. Coatings Unlimited has a huge depth of long-term employees in the office and in the field, which is something that attracted me to what we're looking at. Again, we're not looking for the turn and burn guy. We want you to come. We want you to stay and be part of the family and add to it.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's why you fit in so well here. Probably why you were attracted to Steve is because you are you both have that mindset. And his, <laughs> now he jokes at me all the time. How do we find more Patrick's? That's all we want. We used to be finding customers, influencing things. Now it's how do we find more Patrick's? Patrick's a unique individual, but we can try and find people that are like him by doing this, but it's been awesome to see. I want to jump conversation points here a little bit and talk about some of the great conversations we've had offline around opportunities for skilled craftspeople and opportunities where we're missing opportunities as leaders to, to show them the path forward. But before we get in that, if you would talk a little bit about your journey into a project manager and how, like you're growing up in the industry and then we'll get into how you're helping pay that forward for the craftspeople that you support now. Yeah, I've had
1: a, you put it probably in the interesting journey. I often ask people how they got into painting
0: because it's not
1: something that anyone, unless you're born into a family of it, that you really set out to think this is what I'm going to do. You think of construction and you think of general contractors. Some of the, typically you'd think of joining a Keywood or a Mortensen maybe a smaller merchant builder, but um, my journey started when I needed a job. I was in college, summer, wasn't sure what I was going to do, and was given the opportunity to come on as an apprentice painter, not really thinking this was going to be long-term, just thought, okay, we'll give it a whirl. And I found I liked the craft. I liked the trades. So as I worked my way through five years in the field, I went back and picked up estimating, small college courses, a little bit on the business side, and just added to my education level, which led to a role as an estimator. After a few years of that and good experience, I was given the opportunity then to project manage on the commercial side, then moved into industrial, estimating project management. Eventually worked my way up as a regional manager, a division manager, or vice versa, and then the vice president working my way through all facets, and now having done work on the other side with the engineering and the owner's rep, I feel I've been lucky to have a really well-rounded education in our trade. Now, moving others forward, helping us along, we need all types. And you say, find more of me, trust me, one of me is enough. And I've told Steve, but we need other people, we need skill sets. And it's up to us to help develop our people and attract people. So we, as the leaders need to show these paths forward. And what I like to do with my people is do an IDP, individual development plan. And it doesn't have to be a formal thing. And a lot of, a lot of crafts people in our industry are hesitant to, to think that paperwork and whatnot is going to bog them down, but it can be a, an just as easy as a discussion on a regular basis, learning about the person, learning about their skills, where they've excelled, where they want to excel, and what can we do to help them move their career along and show them a path. So development from an apprentice to a journeyman, yeah. a journeyman to a superintendent. But in that path, we as uh, business leaders need to be looking for those people who are that diamond in the rough. There are a lot of great construction people that are kinesthetic learners and are not going to follow the exact path of a construction manager. Maybe but we could help them move along and maybe we can bring them into an on-site PM, someone with a little bit of a skill set of leadership as the foreman, the superintendent. But again, it's really our job as leaders to start to help these people understand you can move forward and then be there to help them.
0: Absolutely. And because of your experience, you can relate to a 20-something-year-old that is a painter saying, hey, I want to do more. Are there, is there more to be done? And you can point back to your history and point back to how you've helped other people get down that path. What do you feel like the, the desire is within the trades professionals themselves? Do you feel like there is a desire to, hey, we want to see this trade continue to grow, continue to thrive, what can we do to be able to do it? Or is there more of a reluctance for people to take on leadership roles and help bring the trades forward?
1: I think there's a good opportunity and a good momentum to want to move into that for the right individuals. There's a, the age gap that we've experienced through the years is really coming to the forefront as we see our good field leaders, our good seasoned people who are coming up on the retirement age and God bless them for being able to do it. But behind that is an age gap. There's probably a good 15 year age gap from those seasoned employees to our good up and coming journeymen who we need to develop into foreman. So what I've told a few journeymen, even apprentices lately is look around at your workforce you see who's there and you can see the gap. So if it does interest you and like Matthew, like you said, people who are leaders are not there for the title. But if you have the aptitude, you have the desire to help others win and be a part of the leadership team, but no, it comes with a whole new set of challenges that we can help the training centers, the FTIUM here is working on great programs, looking at what they can add to that, as well as the trade organizations. And then internally, I believe it is our purpose, it's our duty to provide employees with a path. Let them know that there is an opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Where's the biggest, where do you see the biggest gap in that happening generally? Because I hear a lot of people say the right things of, hey, we need to develop talent. We need to look at people that don't take the linear path. But I feel like I've been hearing that for the better part of a decade now. But it doesn't, at least to me, it doesn't feel like we've made that progress. What do you think some of the barriers are right now?
1: I think that we're too busy being busy. (laughs) We do not, and I say we as an industry, and I'll say me as myself, do not think during these busy times about the planning that we need to do. So as the construction cycle comes and goes, I'll use mine. Up here, we have a short window for typical exterior painting. So the summer months were very busy. Coming into summer months, we're very busy preparing bids, proposals, trying to get the work. Fall, we're busy trying to get the work done. And then we hit the holidays and normally we're two tires. Here we are. It's been another year. So this idea of preparing an agenda or an itinerary of how we're going to make this happen. And it's something that we're discussing right now, locally, preparing a, a group effort of what training can we set up for our field people to happen in January when we're normally all a little slower and have the time to make this happen. Let's set it, let's put it in writing, make it happen. But again, busy isn't always productive. Yeah. And we have to step back and be those leaders and look 6, 12, 36 months down the road and say, what are we going to need? How are we going to get there? That's the biggest barrier I see is we all know we need to do it.
0: All right, well, let's just do it.
1: Yeah. It's simple, but it's hard.
0: No, it is. isn't there's, there's air quote, good constraints too, right? Hey, all of our people are busy. We're all tied up with this. We're all doing that. We have so much work. And I, I think of, my dad used to tell me this. He, he grew up in construction and he said, during the busy times, everybody works. He said, mm-hmm. when things get tight, that's when you see who the good workers are. Because then you only the best people work during that time. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a fair observation. And I think it also applies to companies where right now it's, hey, if the best companies are being extremely choosy. And then that just continues to cascade down where people can, there's more opportunities for people that maybe wouldn't have had those opportunities because the bigger construction companies are saying no, and we are not going to do that. And I see some people taking the tact of, hey, we just got to worry about executing this work. And I see other people taking the tact, like I've seen you and Steve do, of, hey, we need to execute this work. We need to think about what's next too. And I think in five seven, how many ever years it takes for this, this cycle to work its way through. The companies that didn't take the time to invest in what's coming next when things are changing so quickly are going to be at an extreme disadvantage.
1: I would agree. I would agree with that. And touching on the idea that the good people are busy when it's slow, we do, we're just as guilty of this. So we have great people, we keep them working, and then we run into that Oh, we didn't stop. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. Didn't train them. Now we got to do it at the last minute. Yeah. Okay. Time out guys. Let's put some forethought into this. And I think I kind of enjoy that we can do this as an industry with each other. We can collaborate and be non-competitors for a little while, the good of all of us. So we're expanding this just beyond us to, in the industry as a whole, to give back that At this point in our lives, Steve's a little younger than I am, but we are ready to see new people take over, ready to see growth. And to me, that's the last few years has been the most fun is watching others start to excel and build their legacy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a fun, it's a fun, exciting time if you embrace the change and the opportunity. If not, I can imagine it's, it's pretty scary. (laughs) All right, so I want to end with two questions here. I want to thank you again for doing this. I know you're busy and it was tough to get Steve to let you free up to be able to do it because you are so busy, but I really appreciate it. So I want to end here. I want, I'm interested in how do you personally utilize social media and what social media platforms do you use? And so you answer that question. And then the last question, and I'll ask it again, but as so you can start to think about it is, what's a reason that you're optimistic about the future?
1: Sure. Social media, I am more of a passive user i do use linkedin i use facebook i hate to admit it but between tiktok and youtube shorts i can pass away a lot of time at night and i shouldn't (laughs) but i see the value in it now i'm i again i'm more of a passive user i kind of need to be moving away from that in the future to be more active i do see it's very valuable yeah the results of it i think are somewhat, and this might not sound well, but are somewhat intangible, but they're there. I just don't know how to count what I'm getting for reward. However, I enjoy the heck out of seeing companies that are successful on LinkedIn and seeing things that are fun and innovative. I don't use it as a sales tool per se. Typically, well, once I meet someone, I like to follow them or link up and see the cool stuff they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's my take on it. It's valuable. I just get so busy being busy that I'm probably not that productive.
0: (laughs) I like your example because I think it, I don't think I know it's more indicative of most people's use of social media. So just use LinkedIn, other, so like TikTok, YouTube, shorts, all that stuff. LinkedIn is a business platform, right? And I think people have a perception that everyone uses it, right? So people that don't post that much think, people are active on LinkedIn. They comment, they like, and they post things, which isn't true. According to the data, it's less than 1% of people post consistently on any social media platform. So all the content that you see is generated by 1% of the people that are actually active on the platform. And so where you are is actually more indicative of the way the platform works, where you were on there, you were seeing Steve's content, you're seeing content, you're thinking about it, you're not necessarily engaging with it, but if you see something you like, you're acting on that piece of information. And even Mm -hmm. though people don't know that you're consuming it, that's the way most of this stuff happens. That's where some of the results are like, how do you know that this is happening when people aren't liking it? But then when you have conversations, you see it's happening. So I love that. And I don't think anyone needs to use social media, right? Especially for you, obviously we've talked before. I think tapping into your network in the future will be something that we want to do from a strategic standpoint, but from an individual contributor standpoint, it's it can be a pain in the ass and recognize. That's why we do what we do for Steve, right? Like we work with Steve from a thought leadership standpoint. It's all Steve's thoughts. It's Steve's ideas. It's Steve's vision. We just write it, organize it, and then get it done for him. But it all Mm -hmm. is his thought. But if he had to do that himself, it's time consuming.
1: It is. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoy so I enjoy watching and reading others. It's on LinkedIn. It's much much more pleasant to do LinkedIn and to watch the nightly news.
0: Yes, I am with you. All right. So, with that, what is a reason that you're optimistic about the future?
1: I think there's great opportunity. I'm going to use just the age gap. So we have a retirement of good field leaders. And office leaders, I, myself, and others I work with in our fifties. We have opportunity for those who want to grow and come up behind us. And we have that, we have the experience to show and the scars to show where we can help people grow and help them avoid some of the pitfalls we did. And then to learn from them, learn the technology, learn on new ways and thought processes, and that kind of that younger, energetic thought process of questioning what we do and why we do it. That's fun. And and I am looking forward to working with the next generation of leaders. And I kind of look at my career as somewhat of an arc and I'm getting close to the top of the arc where at some point I just want to start turning things over and let people run and have the opportunity I did and the fun and the experiences I did and help them avoid some of the, the verbal beatings that I've taken through my career like <laughs> we all
0: have. I love that because it's a, it's a real reason, but it's also this other people would use that as a reason to be pessimistic. And I think that's so true in life. That's why the last question is that question now, because you mentioned the news. If you watch too much of the news, it's designed to put you in a negative mood. You can wake up in the morning and find reasons to be pessimistic and negative, or you can wake up in the morning and find reasons to be optimistic. And what you just described, some people describe as a problem. You describe it as an opportunity for legitimate reasons. And I love it, man. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Patrick. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate your time. Can't wait to see what you and Steve do with CUI. Love supporting you guys. And thanks for taking the time to do this.
1: Thanks for the, the support. Thanks for the content. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here.
0: Take Take care. care. Thanks.